We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings. Today we're talking PGA Tour. We're talking Live Tour. What does the future hold for these two entities? Can they work together? Will they always be on the opposing ends of anything? Smash the like button if you're out there. Rate and review the podcast. Joining me to break it all down, Kevin Clark from The Ringer. You had probably the best article I saw on this, although I was reading the Twitter comments because I thought I I always find it hilarious to read other people's Twitter comments, not my own Twitter (laughs) comments. Some people get very riled up about this, which I completely understand. And I, listen, it's a stance that is going to polarize a lot of people. There are people like, hey, you can't take blood money. And that's an instant out for them. Other people are like, yeah, they're giving me $250 million. What do you want me to do about this? How do you see this playing out now that we've seen a live event? We've seen the PGA Tour reaction. We'll get into that in a second. What does the next six months, year look like for the live tour? Like, are they even trying to make money? (laughs) <laughs> no, they're not. I will say with the, t- the Twitter comments, there are some issues where you just have to recalibrate kind of what the accepted ratio of good to bad comments is. And I think I hit about 70, 30, like 30% of people wanted to absolutely murder me after that column, which I think is like within the accepted norm for this issue, because there's just people who, for some reason, are really identifying with live tour, think it's going to save golf and all that stuff. And I'm not really sure I see their arguments, but uh, yeah, you're just going to get that in the mentions. What happens over the next year? No, there is no real business model with live. Um, and that's part of the problem. And that's why I don't think that this, and it is a civil war in golf, I don't think that this is winnable for either side. Um, there will be a trickle of stars, maybe not superstars. We kind of know who's who's pledged loyalty to the PGA. Um, but I think you're going to see more guys like Abe Answer, 20th in the world, uh, marketing appeal inside and outside the United States, international. Um, I think you're going to see more guys go. And eventually, unfortunately, the week-to-week 
becomes a little bit of two AAA tours. That's just what happens if Dustin Johnson is in one tour and Roy McIlroy and John Rahm are in another. I mean, if Brooks Kepka gets hot again, um, it almost becomes a little bit, unfortunately, like boxing, where the week to week is filled with hypothetical matchups and, hey, well, what if DJ and Rory were going against each other in the final pairing? And, and maybe it becomes a four times a year sport, which was already trending in that direction. But that's not good for golf. Um, I don't see a situation where this benefits the fans in any way. The week to week is a star generator. You know, like if someone can pop at the Memorial or at the AT&T or at the players and become in the in the forefront of, of golf and stay there until the majors and have a chance to become a super duper star at the majors. We're going to get all of those, those rhythms taken away from us. Um, what the PGA Tour did this week as far as increasing total purses by 54 million, uh, creating no cut events or more, more no cut events, making the field smaller. You know, in, in Alan Shipman's book, I thought the most interesting thing was not uh, the, the Phil Mickelson stuff at the end it was when he told Brandel Chambly that he wished the PGA tour was only 30 players. And to me, I think most PGA tour guys only want the tour to be as big as what would include them and no more. And so I think that if you're trying to cater to the superstars, they're doing a pretty good job. But on the other hand, there's going to be enough guys who say nine figures, screw it. And it becomes a little bit of a, almost like a prisoner's dilemma thing, right? Where you're getting worried. What if, you know, Max Holmes said on, on No Laying Up to Jordan Spieth is the guy where everybody says, oh, captain, my captain. What if Jordan Spieth takes $500 million? You don't know. I mean, it sounds like John Rahm got offered $400 million. So everybody kind of gets a little more worried week to week about what Liv is capable of um, as far as, as, as stealing the top players. I like the idea of, I mean, I don't like the idea of this being a four weekend a year sport, but realistically, mm -hmm. like when you look at the ratings for golf, that's essentially yeah. what it is. Even the U.S. Open ratings were way down this year. Like there's yeah. just not as much interest. And I think that people within the golf community kind of forget that from time to time. Like yeah. DraftKings and gambling has been such a huge boost to golf and its overall appeal, and especially making the demographics younger for this type of thing. And I just... Live doesn't have that element of it yet, because as we know, yeah. people who bet on it, play DraftKings, play Daily Fantasy, do the research on everything, that the worst events that you can go into are the no-cut 30-person events. Yeah. They're awful. Yeah. Hate them. Like, Hate them. They, there's absolutely no fun uh, that goes along yeah. with that. And I think that the PGA kind of blew it with this schedule. Like, all they really did was juice up existing... Like, I'm glad to see the Genesis and the Arnold Palmer have bigger prize pools. Maybe you can get elite fields there, so... Instead of looking at four weekends a year, maybe you have eight weekends a year. Like, no one gives a shit about the FedEx Sure. Show. Like, that's just sure. straight up. Uh, pumping up the BMW championship pool from $15 million to $20 million, <laughs> yeah. not really doing a thing. Here was my idea, which they're never going to do, because uh, apparently this is... I don't know if this is official for 2024, or this is, like, the proposed plan. Maybe there's going to be some amendments to it. I don't know. But, you know, you've seen... I mean, basketball has talked about this for the in-season tournament for a while. Yeah. And I don't know if, like, the players care enough to, like, make that a real thing. Like, what is the incentive to do that? It's not like the FA Cup over in England right. where you could have something in the middle that actually means something. So if you're trying to capitalize, putting super events in November against football seems like the worst idea in the world. So let's wait till football is over, or at least almost over, because Phoenix— still does really well even outside of the Super Bowl. It's the lead into the Super Bowl. It actually does pretty well because of that. So you have the Farmers, you have the Waste Management, you have Pebble Beach, and then you have Tigers Tournament at the Genesis. Why not make mm -hmm. those four tournaments like a 
I mean, it's, it's going to be at the beginning of the season, but it's you know, a month and a half before the players. It's two and a half months out from the first major. Like, make that some sort of gigantic prize pool where everyone on the PGA yeah. Tour can go compete instead of saying, hey, here's 40 guys, here's 20 million bucks to divvy up amongst you. Like, at least make it a competition because that's the one thing the PGA yeah. has over Live right now. No one takes Live seriously as a competitive event. It's a hit and giggle for right. money. It's like, a cha- it's like a skins game or a charity event. At least the PGA <laughs> Tour right. still does have the ability to say like hey we are still the pinnacle of competition with this and now guys can actually play for this money like i feel like that would be a better solution than the fedex cup which no one really cares for no no one cares it's never caught on and it it gets eaten up by football preseason like if there's a a colts lions game on a saturday afternoon people going oh okay i'd rather watch that than patrick can't that's just sort of how america works i think that's a great idea because part of this is you're right there's a cap on how many people care about the farmers, you know, like just just some of these week to week, you know, match play, any WGCs, there's a cap on the amount of people who watch golf week to week. So what you do is you create almost a second cut of majors and you say, OK, these are the four tournaments. You can group them together to have huge prize money and just sort of say this is what we own. Because the thing is, and the reason that I'd say this is unwinnable for Liv is there's already a small group of people who will just watch any golf. It's just you and me and our degenerate buddies and a couple of, of golf sickos beyond that. Um, but it's really only like a million and a half people. And if you don't have any of the marquee courses and any of the marquee events, people just aren't going to watch you. And so you have to do something to differentiate it. And as you just said, the PGA has that capability. Live does not. Live cannot just say, oh, Pumpkin Ridge is now like going to host the, the Live major. Like that's just not, there's no capability for anybody to care about that. Um, they can say, you know, it's worth $100 million or something crazy like that. Uh, but the PGA does have the advantage of tradition. That's what that's their play right now is that, you know, again, guys like Max Holman, guys like Rory, guys like John Rahm, they grew up wanting to win these tournaments. Um, and so I think you can kind of create a tiered system where you say, OK, you know what? Uh, these these things are more important. And listen, in the same way, you're going to have to screw a couple of Corn Ferry guys or guys who are ranked 130 in favor of the superstars and not give those guys a chance to move up. You have to say to some tournaments like, sorry, Honda Classic. Like, you're just not as important as you were two years ago. That's going to be tough because I don't know how long these deals are in place for with some of these tournaments. Like, how much is Rocket Mortgage on the hook for for the Detroit tournament, which could cease to exist a year from now? It's a tournament I like. Like, the John Deere Classic has been around forever, but now they're going to compete head-to-head. Not only are they going to compete head-to-head with what is going to be the second live event at the pumpkin patch or whatever the hell it's called. Uh, That field is substantially better than the John Deere classic. It's also fighting against the Irish open where the PGA is going to have some of its biggest players. Like Rory's going to go play there and he's going to bring a few of his pals along with him. And it falls in this weird dead space between the U S open and the open championship where anyone who's anyone who's still on the PGA tour is probably either going to take the week off from travelers, play travelers, Mm -hmm. definitely not playing next week. Maybe they'll play the Scottish and then they'll go over. So it's a nothing tournament to begin with. They've already punted this, but it felt like they, it's not that they're addicted to the money that comes along with it. Of course, if you're running the business, the UFC has the same problem where when they signed the deal with ESPN, they have to run 45 events a year. What did it do? It made the product horrible uh, on a week to week basis. You're just going to have terrible cards a lot of the time. And, the John Deere is shaping up to be a terrible tournament, but can you just get rid of it? I don't know the complexity of how that works. I don't think you, you get rid of it. I just think you can kind of just say these we're prioritizing these, we're increasing the tour money on these. And this is already part of what they're doing right now and saying, okay, you were going to have this, but it's going to be kind of a tour that we're marking as less significant than the, the ones that we're really prioritizing. I think that's important. 
And I think that, um, I, I just think that figuring out a way to make the product better in some way, you know, telling the fans when to actually tune in, uh, making the broadcast better. I don't think they should ever go to a shotgun start. And I think it's weird that some of the players were saying like, oh, that's a really good, that's a really good innovation. Like, no, none of that. Um, but I think that there's ways for them to improve their product to where it's, it's building towards something. You know, the, the worst thing um, I think about boxing is nothing ever happens that's building towards it, right? Like you can have one fight and you can say that was epic. Okay, the next fight is going to be this. And then that fight never happens. And I kind of feel like with the PGA season, they need to build towards something aside from the four majors we already know. The FedEx Cup never worked. It never resonated at all. Nobody cares the end of the year when some guy gets some big check. It hasn't worked. They need to, to figure something else out. And that's bigger tournaments being prioritized, the money, keeping the superstars happy and all that stuff. I mean, when I was doing this research, Justin Johnson is making, I think, 70% more than he's made his entire career over the next four years. The equivalent of that, Pat, is if Aaron Rodgers were, were offered a four-year, $436 million contract, okay? And so that is how life-changing this money is. And you're not going to win on the money side. You're going to win on the eyeball side and the fact that saying, if you go and you take that money, no one's going to care and we're improving our product. That's sort of how, and we're going to be the place where if you want to become a superstar in America and be in a bunch of commercials and be on the, the you know, the red carpet at uh, movie premieres or whatever some, some of these guys want to do. Um, if you want to be in the cultural conversation, you have to stay here. And that starts with improving the product. The issue with that is that's a really terrible selling point for the PGA Tour because the only person that's ever yes, been able to I do agree, that. Yes, I agree, but it's all they have. Yeah, but then Tiger needs to step in here. If he's actually pro PGA yes. Tour, and the offer was what, like a billion dollars for Tiger to go play on the Live Tour, yeah. something like that. Do you think he turned it down because... He doesn't need the money. He doesn't care for the live tour. He hates Greg Norman, or he just can't actually play in that many events. He wouldn't be able to fulfill what was being asked of him. I can't believe uh, that nobody pointed this out. In one of the Tiger autobiographies, sorry, biographies, um, the Armageddon one a couple of years ago, there was a, a nugget in there where they literally said that he was told by other people in Jupiter or in, in Pump, and when he got to Florida, to stay away from Greg Norman. Like, bad influence, stay away from Greg Norman. He's been listening to that advice for 30 years now. Um, anyway, uh, I think it, it's, it's a combination of things. Yeah, it's the Greg Norman thing. It's also just the questions thing. I mean, like Tiger is so hooked in with corporate America. And I do think that Jay Monahan's point about, um, you know, having to apologize for, for being on the live tour and not having to apologize for the PGA tour. Like you have to have all these conversations. And Phil had these conversations with Buick and all, you know, I don't know if Monster Energy still on his bag. You got to call it Monster Energy, but I'm sure they're, they're game for anything. Um, and so I think that, it, it just, it, it, there's too many questions about it to take that money. And he's already got a billion dollars. Like what I know that I don't want to pocket watch here. You don't want to pocket watch here. I'm not going to do it for guys like Dick Bland and Pat Perez, but like, is the difference between 1 billion and 2 billion that different that you have, you run the risk of, of, of ruining your reputation. I think Tiger said, screw this. And then the bonus is he doesn't really want to play eight events a year. Like he probably wants to play a lot less than that, or he wants to play on his own schedule. If they're telling him he has to show up for seven of these eight, eight events or whatever it is, I'm sure there's some number he would have to go to. He doesn't want to be on anybody else's schedule. That only makes sense for Tiger. With Phil, right. I, it felt like the main thing that Phil said when this first started happening was he wanted to use this as leverage against the PGA Tour. And he's been the one basically, yeah. no matter who goes, whether it be Dustin, Louie, Patrick Reed, Brooks, Bryson, Phil is the one taking all the arrows on this. He is sort of the face of this from the PGA Tour to the live because mm -hmm. he is the most marketable guy that they have, despite the fact that he's in his 50s. It's Tiger, Big Gap, 
Phil, Big Gap, everyone else, just because he's been around yeah. for so long. Now, I, there's been a lot of talk about like his gambling issues and how he needs the money. I don't think he actually needs the money, but he probably wants more money because that's what a lot of people <laughs> enjoy, having more money. But he is sort of right that he is causing like a seismic shift here in yeah. i mean more money is now being filtered into the pga tour players pockets because of all of this uh we might see some relief in schedule the one thing i don't understand is the pga tour's main solution to combat live was hey let's just run some live style events during the <laughs> yeah. off season like that is fucking moronic <laughs> yeah it, it, it's there's not really a counterpunch to do though is the problem, right? Like I gave you the pitch on, hey, this is cultural relevance, this is tradition. And you and I both agree that that's a pretty bad pitch. And and the, the best pitch actually is we're not live and you don't have to answer these questions and you have to go forward and and run the risk of this, this tour is just a total flop. And I, I don't know, I don't know what they could have done. Um, prioritizing the superstars is the only thing that's gonna keep the superstars happy. Um, you know, I do think that we have to see if i mean competition in a weird way has always been good in sports and i don't know if live cares so little about their product we won't see any of that but you know the so many things for, about xfl broadcasts were just ripped off by the nfl um same deal with with the usfl before that like I, i've done a lot of research on that so maybe this is kind of a a living document where they they, they change based on what live does going forward um but yeah i mean i think that it's a little bit of desperation pat when you see that all they, their best ideas just rip off a tour that's been around for a week for eight events a year, um, it just shows you how little they have to offer. And that's why it, it needs to get creative. And and kind of what we were talking about before, Tiger, Rory, John Rahm, Jordan Spieth, get everybody together and say, this is our tour. What do we want? And the problem with that is, and I'll kind of hearken it back to the UFC as well, you don't see it as much in boxing because boxers can protect themselves of who they want to fight right. and who they're going to beat. In the UFC, you've just seen so many different examples of Ronda Rousey's the biggest star in the world until she's no longer in the sport, she's just off the radar. And it doesn't happen as much in golf, but we've just, I mean, Ricky Fowler was the biggest, one of the biggest stars in golf two years ago. Yeah. Now he's going to play on live because... He might actually lose his PGA Tour card had he stuck around to play. Uh, Dustin Johnson. I mean, Dustin Johnson wins the Masters, and then you don't even really hear from him for another yeah. two yeah. years at this point. It feels like he's on the downswing. This stuff can always change. Jordan Spieth went through a two-year period where he kind of sucked, and now he's back to being Jordan Spieth again. So it's hard to say, hey, here are our five guys. Well, what if two of the five guys just aren't good next year? Then it becomes sort right. of a weird issue of trying to galvanize everyone together. It's hard to predict. Like, I mean, it's one of the big advantages that the WWE has over everyone. Yeah. Like, yeah, the fans are going to tell you who they like and they don't like, but you can kind of plan that out. In fact, I, yeah. I, I've heard rumors that they might actually plan that out. So no, I, I, I know I'm, I'm sorry. It's still real to some people out there who are watching the show. I understand. Don't, that, there's but. some, there's some legal ramifications for making such a big accusation that uh, listen, you're I, saying wrestling might be scripted. I am saying that I want to be on the right side of this, and I, I'm not telling fibs <laughs> outside of school here. But you just can't plan for the future yeah. when it comes down to it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. So I think that the biggest two hurdles that Liv needs to overcome for legitimacy, like they have the names, they have the money, they're playing at courses that people know, uh, they're playing at a bunch of Trump courses, so Trump's going to give them some sort of recognition here, and that's going to be a big boost to them, especially stateside. It, it might make people hate it even more, but people hate it already, so really what's the big difference when it comes down to that, in their mind at least? Any publicity is good publicity for Liv at the moment, but it's official world golf rankings points and what the majors decide to do with them. Now, now, each of the tours, I'm not exactly sure how the official World Golf rankings work, but each of the tours have different guys on them. There was already rumors that the Lib was going to buy the DP World Tour. Obviously, they're in cahoots with the Asian Tour. They both have seats yeah. on the World Golf rankings. I don't even know how those would be properly allocated because the strength of field will be like, pretty good i would think for live they yeah. only play 54 holes with no cut i don't know how that impacts it but it affects people's ability to get into major championships who aren't previously qualified like dustin johnson unless augusta says no to him you know he's invited to the masters for life um guys are invited yeah. to the pga championship for life like phil can still go play all of these things he has the pga championship exemption for the next five years for the u.s open and mm -hmm. and the open championship is actually he can play in the open championship because he's won it until he's like 60 or something like that so he's fine the other guy aren't at that point but if the majors say hey like it's in the majors best interest to let these guys play in the majors isn't it mm -hmm. well i i guess the question is why would the masters intentionally hurt their own product because of a turf war between two things that, that don't involve them right like if the why would the masters draw a line in the sand maybe they will maybe they say we want to preserve the current system we like the rhythms of that but I'd be surprised if the if the Masters was like, actually, we're not going to have Bryson DeChambeau and Bruce Kepka and Dustin Johnson and Phil and all of these guys. Um, and the other thing is we won't know. Like, you know, next February, a bunch of guys are going to get a little envelope and we'll have to find out that Charles Schwartzel wasn't actually invited, right? Like, that that's the only way we're going to know. They're, they have 10 months to figure this out, and so they're not going to do it. I mean, I think the strength of field thing is pretty interesting because I think that that's the biggest risk factor for Liv is they sign all of these guys – 
and there's no cut. And we saw Phil shoot 10 over in the first one in London. What if these guys almost view, what if there's enough guys? And I saw an analogy to like the MLS, right? Where some of these guys get here, they get $7 million a year to play for the LA galaxy. Some of these, you know, it's just like we're playing for smash GC or some of these team names here. Um, and, and they don't take it as seriously. Um, money's guaranteed. The level of competition is, is, is not as high. Uh, they have other interests. Like I saw even answer was talking about how he's going to be able to devote more time to his uh, business interests and stuff like that. Um, and so the biggest risk factor for me is that the, the strength of the field actually goes down because the guys that get guaranteed money for in the no cut events, there's no, there's no moving up and down. And there's going to be guys they signed. Taylor Gooch is a good example. Is there any guarantee in two years that Taylor Gooch, who according to a lot of people has guaranteed starts going forward is going to be a top 15, top 20 guy. No, like DJ might get old Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter. These guys have inconsistent streaks. So we might have weeks where, okay, the live is happening, but but like everybody's playing badly and there's no mechanism for anybody else to come in and play well. So that's the biggest externality for me as far as lives, lives order, pecking order um, status. Now, like the Asian tour, the European tour, it seems to me that starts to defeat the purpose, Pat, because if you're saying, okay, these guys aren't getting world golf ranking points for, uh, you know, for, for live. So they have to go play 10 tournaments in Europe. Isn't that what you were trying to avoid in the first place? I would think so, but this is going to have to evolve. What we saw in the first live event, a 54-hole scramble start every single day, I don't think that's what live looks like, hell, three months from now, let right. alone a year from now. Because I watched it. The broadcast itself actually wasn't all that bad. Uh, I was shocked that, surprisingly, you can put a camera at every hole and follow people around. Shocking stuff. We could see shots. But there's no context. You can see all the golfers? Yeah, you can see all the golfers and not exactly when you and want to see them, but you can see them. You can see the hitting shots. shots and doing things like playing golf? That's yeah, incredible. I, I know. Um, it blew my mind. And <laughs> all I've ever wanted was I was begging just like, I want to have an on-demand service where I can tune into the golfers that I want to have that I want to see. Even if it's a streaming service, it doesn't matter to yeah. me. But if I have four bets on four guys, why can't I four box them? And I can just follow, I can follow my own group around the entire time. I understand the logistics are very expensive for that, but it does seem like Liv has figured that part out. Now they're working with an unlimited budget, so it just might not be feasible. Uh, but for them it is because they're just okay with throwing their money away and burning their money. It's part of what their plan yep. is all about. And so I don't know how much the PGA tour can replicate it. And that's sort of the issue with the PGA tour right now is they found all this quote extra money laying around but they're digging into their funds like i don't know how much extra money the pga tour actually has sitting around like when you go look at their funds they have a lot of expenses they need to have money on hand in case something like covid happens where they had to float people for a while and now they're putting an extra 20 to 50 million dollars back into the players pockets i think the players are already getting around like 54 55 percent of the revenue that was coming in now that number is going to go up i don't know how sustainable that is for them neither do i and they're again they're gonna lose any financial pissing match they're going to lose that pretty substantially because part of it is and this is the same thing when you deal with a team like manchester city or you know the old school now the dodgers i was going to say the old school yankees now now the dodgers it's not just the fact they can spend this money on the front end it's that mistakes don't matter to them right and that's the biggest difference between a team with an unlimited uh, budget and a team without it is that they can say, oh, we signed this guy for 150, didn't work out. Oh, well, we'll sign the, the, the guy who's four years younger, who's exactly like him for 150 as well. Like that's part of having an unlimited budget. Um, and so 
I don't know. Like, I, at some point, you get worried for just the viability of the tour if they're trying to get into a financial pissing match. Um, but this is this is kind of what they have to do. And this is listen, Jay Monahan, like, sign better sponsorship deals. Like, this is on you to generate some revenue for these guys to at least make it feasible. Because I do think uh, Phil Mickelson, what made forty million dollars a year, something like that, in uh, in sponsorship, according to a couple of different. Uh, stories about him like I do think that it's not a huge out of the you know Rory and John Rahm and these guys can make 40 50 60 million dollars in extra sponsorships plus the money on on the PGA tour like I do think the the gap is a little smaller than people think on a year-to-year basis but it's up to the PGA to to allay any of those fears and just just figure it out like do your job brother it's tough because you kind of mentioned that the the mid-tier of the PGA Tour is just so much better off on the Live Tour, be it Answer, yes. be it Gooch, Pat Perez, because even when you used to look back at those Forbes lists from ages ago with the 10 highest paid athletes in the world, Tiger would be up there, Phil would be up there, it'd be Tiger by far above everyone else, and then like Mayweather would have his run, Schumacher would have his run, whoever it might be, the biggest athletes yeah. in these individual sports, all the tennis guys would be there too, and then Phil would be on the list, it'd be like $90 million, $40 million, but you never really figured out what you know golfers 4 through 10 were making. We saw the pip last year, which turned out to be very instructive for the Live Tour of who to go sign uh, in terms of who actually has clout (laughs) and who doesn't. Uh, So congratulations to the PGA Tour for that one. But you can go out and John Rahm can make his money and Jordan Spieth can make his money and Justin Thomas can make his money with the help maybe internally of the PGA Tour of going out to find these different revenue sources for them. But what happens to Matthew Neesmith? Nothing. Like he's screwed. Well, they're already screwed in tennis, you know? I mean, that, that's the biggest thing. People are talking about that in, in tennis where the stars are always pretty happy with the way things are going because number 45 in the world is actually not making nearly as much as you would think. And you talk about the the PIP. I mean, like, I think four of the six have already gone um, to live. And, you know, I think Sally from Up made this point on the, the Max Homa podcast today, but like the remaining six... If any of those guys go, we start to get extremely, extremely worried. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't really know um, what the what the future of that holds. And what, by the way, do the PGA Tour guys get more money now that the Live guys aren't going to get it? And now, like, does does Rory see a windfall here? So financially, that's something to watch. It's just how I guess you'd say the markets react to this, Pat. It's true, but I mean, any year that they run PIP, if that continues to be a thing, Tiger Woods is going to win. That's not even going that's to correct. be. That's not even going to be close. So it's just like here, here's Tiger, here's forty million bucks, go nuts, and then it's for everyone else to divvy up the scraps when it comes down to it. Maybe there's going to be an adjustment to that. I'm not sure. Who are the PGA essentials that are left? Like we've seen the dam break yeah. a little bit, and even like watching the Travelers press conferences, and someone asked Patrick Cantley, and that guy couldn't get a sentence out after <laughs> he was asked about it. So he's probably gone. I wouldn't. He's a great player, and I think the but PGA, he fits the profile. He fits yeah, the yeah. profile. Inconsistent. It hurt some of the time. There's no guarantee that he's going to make a hundred million dollars on on the course over the course of his career going forward and so he's not like if you were to make a list bryson and brooks are right up there like guys where there are question marks about their viability over the next decade for any number of reasons so who is i don't think like i said cantley's not an essential but he does hurt the overall competitive quality or quality of the pga tour events but who would be the essential pga guys they can't lose rory 
Spieth. I think it's Rory, Rory, Rory and Spieth yeah. are one and two. No matter what you think of Spieth, I mean, John Rahm is a better player than Jordan Spieth, but Jordan Spieth means more to the PGA Tour. Yes. Um, Spieth, Rahm, and Rory are my three. And then I think there's a break, and it's Justin Thomas. And I think there's another break, and it's a concentration of really incredible young guys. Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland, um, not not as young, obviously, but a guy like Hideki Matsuyama, who has just huge marketability um, throughout the world, won the Masters, incredible ball striker. I bet on him probably too much week to week. Um, I don't, by the way, I don't know what the hell is going to happen to my gambling now. What, like, what are you going to do? I would guess that if places are going to offer live odds, and it happened for the first one, so there was like a really juicy market in the when the live odds first got dumped. I think it was at an offshore, and then everyone else, like legally within the United States, uh-huh. ended up picking it up. But the odds had been so beaten down by that point, it was pretty much unbettable. Not even knowing like what the whole concept of 54 holes is going to be. I do <laughs> think that a lot like, and we haven't seen this as much in the past few years, but the first round leader market used to be very juicy for long shot bets, mainly because. Yeah anyone can kind of beat anyone in golf over one round there's a reason that they play the four rounds that the better player over the four rounds is going to be more consistent the cream is going to rise to the top if you have a weird format and only three rounds i could see it being sort of a long shot paradise for some of these events especially when the quality of the field gets up and what you had mentioned that if these guys are kind of checked out because they don't care well henny depuis yeah. is probably not checked out <laughs> well louis is probably checked out yeah. so there could be a good betting opportunity for all of us out there yeah. that would be nice but let's say I was to make you, I mean, I, I'll probably just end up playing stupid doubles every single week and losing my fucking money. That's, I mean, I lose it every week <laughs> anyway, but now I can bet on two things and parlay them together yeah. and they'll, they'll conclude at almost the same time. Like that just, that's catnip for me. That's going to end up happening, but I don't know how much interest I have I, in the live tour to yeah. be perfect. Like I don't, I tuned into the first one because it was the first one. I'll probably tune into the, yeah. to the second one because it, it has a better field than the John Deere classic, but and I can, you know, it's it's much easier to stream on my phone while I'm out. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I hear that. Um, but the, the other guys, I just want to, speaking of people I bet on all the time, like a guy like Will Zaltoris, if Liv starts taking those guys, Cam Smith is another, where they establish themselves on the PGA Tour over the course of a year and a half, two years, are one of the top guys in the, in the game, and then immediately go to Liv. Like, that's how Liv could make the PGA Tour a minor league. Like, that's the thing that worries me is if some someone makes the leap if if i'll give you you know if, if daniel berger wins the british and immediately signs to live like that to me is like there are kind of there's guys who are on a sliding scale of essentials and so the three names i think would be would start a very slippery slope would be rom rory and spieth but then i think there's a group of guys where if live starts godfather offering certain guys when they reach the pinnacle of the PGA tour. I mean, Scotty Scheffler, if they Godfather offered Scotty Scheffler right now, that wouldn't be like the end of things, but I'd go, Oh my God, like where the hell is this going? Yeah. They could pick off Scheffler, Matt Fitzpatrick, who just won the U S open. Just looking, you know, it's funny. Some of the guys like you could take Billy Horschel and literally, literally no one would care. I don't think the people would care about (laughs) Sander to tell you the truth. Like he and Cantlay are great players, but they just bring nothing in terms of attention yeah. ever. I mean, that's a part of their game. They're quiet. They're consistent. You don't hear much from them. Like I would think that losing someone like Finau would be a much bigger deal. Yes. Although he's not the same level of player as them. Like Ricky was a good get for them. The guys that they've went out and got, they're the attention guys. Like you might not like Bryson. You might not like Brooks or Patrick Reed or Phil for that matter, but you do pay attention to them. Yep. I guess they, they did a very good job spending someone I don't know if it's Greg Norman or whomever, like talent 
talent uh, identification has not been a problem for them. Um, and so I, I'm intrigued to see the next wave. I think most of the guys who are going the first two months are kind of low hanging fruit. And then it gets to be, again, going back to it, what if at some point they get such a critical mass of players that by the time Tony Finau says, actually, I'd like to join, they're no longer offering 150 up front. Um, and, and I think that there are probably players who are thinking about that and saying, uh-oh, like maybe, maybe the, uh, the, the, the spigot is going to be turned off at some point. Um, it's a pretty big risk to go either place right now. I would not, listen, I'd love to be a, a, a professional golfer, but like they're making some really tough decisions. I just want to know, Pat, like when is, when is the Saudi PIF going to start bribing uh, DFS players to come over to live? Like when do we get our upfront money? Yeah, to see that, I don't know. Uh, when, when are they going to pay the Pat Mayo experience to start talking about live only <laughs> and not the PGA? I, I am available for that. If look, look it up ball striking numbers on live. I can do that. I mean, you can barely do that with the stats that they're releasing. I recently received my Helix mattress in the mail. Came in a big box, and I've had it for probably about a month now. Super comfortable. Super easy to unbox, too. Kind of fun. And put it into the spare room, and I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go try this out. Went and tried it out. Talked it over with my wife. Swap beds! Helix, now the main source of what Mayo's laying on at the household over here right now. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made for someone else? With Helix, you get your mattress that you know will be perfect for you when you sleep. I took the Helix quiz and I was matched with the model of my choice because it cooled me down during the night. I like it, you know, I don't like it too firm. I don't like it too soft. And all of a sudden, a mattress shows up that is tailored completely to me. I really love it. It's soft, but it still really supported my wife all in on it too. So if you're looking for a mattress, you take the quiz, you order the mattress that you're matched with, the mattress comes right to your door, shipped for free. You don't ever need to go to a mattress store again. It's that easy. Just go to helixsleep.com slash mayo. Take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix even has financing options and flexible payment plans, so a great night's sleep is never actually all that far away. Helix Sleep is also offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for all our listeners at helixsleep.com slash mayo. When you think about how to improve the PGA Tour, this is kind of like the ultimate scenario. You have this thing with good players from scratch that can be completely molded into anything that you want to do with it, especially because making money doesn't seem to be the biggest deal for them at the moment, at least I'm sure that's going to change over time, but you can kind of sculpt it into everything that you wanted golf to be. And then eventually maybe they merge or they be, one becomes bigger than the other. And that's just the standard going forward or it forces the PGA to be better. I mean, from that aspect, that's what Phil had talked about at the very beginning, that that's why this was important. That's what he could leverage against all this, make golf better, make it more palatable and get people paid more money it's just the biggest i mean what if this wasn't the saudi backed money what if it was a vc backed money how different do you think that this would be do you think the pga would have worked with them just in the offshoot like just say like hey yeah we can be partners this is fine or how much of a cloud does the saudi stuff really put out of this because you hear about it a lot Uh but but it also seems like 
that's the loudest voice in the room who's complaining about it. And I think they're completely legitimate concerns. But again, that's not going to be the complaint for everyone. As you've seen, the players are leaving. <laughs> they are. Um, and they're just kind of ignoring questions about, about 9-11. Um, okay, so the I think that people have made this point, but the morality sort of angle to it can only go so far because if this and it's not going to, but if this collapsed, there's no guarantee that in five years, Goldman Sachs just doesn't do this with the same amount of money and the same business plan. And you can't do the morality angle then. And so that's why I think partially the PGA is doing this sort of be relevant. You can stay here. Um, you know, that, that, that sort of, that sort of angle or the tradition angle of it while dabbling a little bit in, in the morality angle as well, but it can only go so far. Um, yes. I think that the, the, the Saudi connection is the story. And it's the reason that the story is the way it is. And it's probably the reason there's been no collaboration. Um, I think that Alan Shipnick was on a couple podcasts last week and he was talking about this and he was basically saying, Jay Monahan won't take a phone call right now, will not take a phone call. And if it was a hedge fund, if it was a private equity company that was doing all of this and saying, and listen, there are legitimate reasons to believe, just putting all of this aside, that someone like Dustin Johnson should have made more than what, $70 million in his career? that you know, there are other athletes who are making more and they should get more money. I mean, it's the same way UFC guys are, are criminally underpaid. Certainly not, none of them make $70 million, but there's an argument to be made that a sport can be disrupted because it's actually worth more than it currently is um, with the dominant organization, right? And so I, Jay Monahan has not taken the call from Liv. He has not worked with them at all. And that I think has a lot to do with the Saudi thing. If it was a different type of thing, you'd have a different conversation. Maybe, maybe in a perfect world, if somebody else started this, you can just say, hey, have some fall series events, maybe one, one thing in the summer, whatever, we'll work together. Uh, maybe we'll you know, integrate for, for one tournament or something, but that, that's just not gonna happen now uh, because of A, the posturing that happened on the front end, B, the bad blood that's already existed, and C, just the fact that I think a lot of people within the PGA thought the Saudi connection was just a non-starter. How does this work in other sports? Because I really don't know. Like in, I know that the Saudis own some soccer teams. Uh, you cover, I mean, you're yeah. the host of the Ringer F1 podcast. I'm pretty sure the Saudis <laughs> have their their money into yeah, F1. They have a race. Like, yeah. I, I, what is because it was one thing when there was the Saudi international and just, yeah. you, know, you got your release to go play your one event a year. That was it. And there was an outrage about that for players that would go as well. How is this handled in F1? How is it handled in soccer yeah. internationally? So there's a, a nice distance between the Saudis and the participants, the athletes in, in those sports. So I'll give you an example. So there's a, a race in Jeddah and Saudi Arabia every year in Formula One. The drivers, including Lewis Hamilton, have said, we don't want to go there, but they don't make the decision. Lewis Hamilton is not joining Saudi F1. He's just in the league that goes there. So the CEO, uh, Domenicali, some of the executives, they get to be the bad cop in this situation. And there's plausible deniability for guys like Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton, who are, um, who are, are super, uh, they, they like to be athlete activists, and they get to say, we don't think we should be here. Same deal with... Uh, uh, you know, they go to Hungary every year and Sebastian Vettel has worn uh, gay pride shirts um, just to, you know, take a dig at that, that, um, that regime there that is, that is anti-gay. Um, so you have that and you, and Newcastle United, like no, for whatever reason, nobody asks a Newcastle United player that they all, the, the live people also own um, Newcastle United. When they sign for 30, $40 million, nobody says, are you okay with this money, where this money is coming from. They're not asking the same question that was asked at Live, um, which is, would you play for Vladimir Putin? 
um, that hasn't come up in some of these press conferences because there's a layer there and they do enough of it. Nobody's opting into the Saudi PIF in the same way that the live golfers are and the connection. And I think that probably the Trump connection probably shades that even further. Um, but in other sports, it's not as direct. Saudi is just one piece of the F1 calendar. They go to other, I mean, Azerbaijan, more sports watching. I mean, I had a bunch of people as I wrote that column, the, the live column, I think on Thursday of, of two weeks ago. And I, the, my podcast came out on Sunday and I had a handful of people saying, well, you didn't address the sports washing in F1. No, they address it, address it all the time. Like they, they just aren't in charge of it and aren't joining in the direct way that someone like Phil or, or Brooks are. It's it's kind of strange because you know, the initial impression of it, if you want to be pro live is, well, you wear Nike, you use an Apple phone. And that's, right. that's not that's not the same argument whatsoever. Uh, but it's you know, it's in the realm. It's not. Sure. It's not exactly the same. It's not apples to apples, but it's not exactly apples to oranges at the same time. Like your morality is going to be at a certain point with a lot of this stuff and good on the people that have taken the stand. I mean, that seems to be the John Rom thing. It seems like Rom would have taken the money if it wasn't the Saudis. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, yes. And that, that, again, that's the long term problem for the PGA is if they don't, I guess you could say modernize and, and make this a business for that that maximizes the revenue for everybody, then even if this live wave passes in four years, they're still vulnerable to another outside league. And, it, you know, listen, it remains to be seen. You know, I, I, I saw a friend last week and, and I said to him, I said, you know, if, if your business can be disrupted, in what, three days like this? Didn't you have a bad business model? His counterpoint was, well, anybody can be disrupted by, by Saudi money. I actually don't agree with that. I think that in the NFL, you can sign Aaron Rodgers if you wanted to. You could sign Matt LaFleur if you wanted to. But what you, what you have, what makes 50 million people watch a playoff game is Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur in Lambeau Field with those fans. So if they're playing for the, the Milwaukee team or the San Diego team, it's not the same situation. PGA, it's different. Most people do not identify with these courses, they just say, oh, there's Phil, there's Tiger, there's Bruce Kepka. I'm, I'm going to take a, uh, take a look at that. Um, so I, I don't, again, like I, it, it does sound like, I mean, 400 million, John Rom said he had a conversation with his wife and said it wouldn't change his lifestyle. But at some point, everyone has a baseline for like, yeah, I'll do that if the money is coming from a place that, that, that they're comfortable with. And that's been sort of the the pushback for not necessarily pro live people, but anti people who are mad at the golfers for going like right. if you're at your job, if you're Kevin Clark at the ringer, I'm like, hey, why don't you come for Mayo? Why don't you come work for me? Horrible person, Pat Mayo. Let's just say I'm just the worst person alive. It's like, <laughs> I'll pay you 50 million dollars a year. You probably come. I'm guessing. <laughs> I think about it. Dep <laughs> it, de it depends. Who do, who do I get to pod with? Uh, no, just yourself. And, oh, and maybe okay. some other people that I pick off from other networks at the same time. Uh, and I don't, you guys, I don't, you guys I don't get a team. I don't get sma Smash GC. The now, Smash GC pod. The kay. Crushers. That's the thing that I want to end on. So we'll get that in a second. Uh, if we could be, well, we're going to take over the live tour. We'll say it's non-problematic and we'll take it over and try to make how this actually works. What you said about disruption is interesting, mainly because I don't know if the PGA Tour could have been disrupted and I think your friends point to the Saudis can disrupt anything. I think they're kind of right because they're not trying to make money. Anyone else that would try yeah. to do this would be trying to make money. And that's just not an option for them. Like that's the only way you right. could really disrupt the PGA tours. If you just don't give a shit about the money. Yes. Yes. And that, that's why, that's why this is happening is they really, they're okay with this being a loss leader and wrecking the PGA tour. Like if there's a game of chicken here, 
Liv is going to win because they have what Kevin Van Valkenburg reported. They had $2 billion to spend. The PGA can't find that in the couch cushions. And so the only thing we can hope for, if we just love the game of golf, because I think the fans are going to start, if everybody's going to lose except Dick Bland and Pat Perez, like the fans might be the number one losers here because we're not going to see more money and we're going to see a worse product. So the only thing you can hope for is that Liv moves the PGA to a place where the product is better and somehow, somehow we get better golf out of this. When do you think all the lawsuits are going to start for this? Because it seems like the Saudis are prepared uh, with a huge war chest of money to pay lawyers to fight this. I think it's a bad look for the PGA. The indefinite suspension, I think it was a bad idea. I think they played this wrong from the start where they should have just said, this is like an exhibition league. You want to go get some money? Go play in the event. No big deal. Just treat it like a WGC or something like that. You're good to play on the PGA Tour. You want to play in this two or three times a year? Good on you. Make it seem irrelevant. Yeah, I, I actually thought about that. That's a great point. It's just said, like, actually, we're not worried about this at all. If you want $100 million to go play in Portland, go ahead. I mean, listen, they've, they've granted exceptions for tours all over the world um, before, and they could have done this and said, okay, this is this is the minor league or the major league, um, and not started a war, but the war has already begun. Um, when did the lawsuit start? Pretty shortly, is, is my guess. I mean, whenever a guy like Phil, I mean, Phil wants to play on the tour. He said that last week, Dustin Johnson does not. They asked him what he's going to do with his newfound 40 weeks. And he said, whatever the hell I want. He does not want to go play the Honda classic. He does not want to play Bay Hill. He's good on that. Um, and so I think it, it starts when these guys start to miss the PGA tour and want to play a tournament or just say, Hey, I'm, or just send in a form saying I have an exemption for this tournament. I'm coming. Um, that's when you start to see this play out in courtrooms. And that's when it officially becomes boxing. I don't see how they can, I, I guess, I, I mean, I can see how the PGA Tour can indefinitely suspend someone. It does seem like it would be somewhat of an antitrust issue, though. Like, act, like not that I'm a lawyer by any means, but uh, just that kind of sticks out that that would be an issue. I don't know. Like, you know, the UFC, everybody keeps saying, well, they're independent contractors do what they want. Well, UFC fighters are also independent contractors. It's different because they're on two fight deals, three fight deals. You know, those deals used to get extended when they won championships, all that stuff. The contractual language in the UFC is is pretty gross. Um, But it's the same sort of thing where they are not employees, but there's they seem to have a lot of control over them. And maybe the PGA Tour can start signing guys. two different deals that make it legally like that, that they're a part of something live guys or not. I'm not totally sure. I just know that if I were, uh, if I were Jay Monahan, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be on offense trying to figure out how to keep those guys out if I wanted them out. Well, th- I think that the bigger thing would be is the live could say, Hey, you guys can't play on the PGA tour because you've signed these contracts. That actually makes sense right. to me. Not the other way around. Right. Right. Exclusivity. Right. Exactly. I mean, like that, that if, if, if they're paying $150 million for Brooks Kepka and he's still like, actually, I, I really want to play Eastlake. <laughs> like that's a tough, that's a tough look for, for live. A hundred percent. So, is. Um, yeah. so no, that's a great point. Pat. All right. Let's, let's pretend to be commissioner of the live tour. Greg Norman's <laughs> out. We're in, they say, Kevin, Pat, your co-commissioners, we need to make some money here. Uh, our two billion yeah. bucks is almost gone because we tried to give half of it to Tiger, which would have been the right investment. That's all you really <laughs> would have needed to make this work. If Tiger goes, you would have been good. Phil's a close second. I think that there is one signing in particular you have to make right away if you want this to be financially viable. I think Feinberg and I talked about it a little bit, but if you can get Hideki on the live yeah. tour, 
you just create not like you're never going to be as big stateside more than likely unless you get tiger than the pga tour is going to be that's impossible but for every other market in the world having big international stars of their countries is a huge get and selling off sponsorships and going to yep. tokyo and having a premier event for the live like that is a way to generate real income you can get broadcast deals with i mean you can do it through DAZN and broadcast it to the entire world or you can go country by country like the nfl does and work out different deals with different providers and just open it to the highest bidder if there's actual interest in some of these places but like like live tour rights in Japan. If Hideki is playing on that tour, all of a sudden sound like they're going to make a lot of money. I would also say this for someone like Hideki, who I agree with you, he's, he's right there near the top of the list of essentials for someone like him. Does it make more sense for live to wait a couple months and let Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, Brooks Kepka, Phil Mickelson, take the PR hit and then sign someone like Hideki when the wave, I mean, like this point has been made, but no one, you know, no one really talks about sports watching with Newcastle anymore. Like they don't, I'm talking even ownership. It's more sort of analysis of how they're going to do this year and all that stuff. So, so what At you're saying, so, so what you're saying is that it worked. Yes. Yeah. That's the thing with sports watching is it works. And at some point, Pat, like I think in Portland, cause it's the first U S tour, there will be questions about it. But I think when we get to, to event seven, event eight, like, I don't think that there's going to be questions about Vladimir Putin. Like, I think it's going to be more like, what do you think about the, you know, what's your, what's your play on 13 here? Like, I think that at some point it becomes that. And that to me, if you're going to try to unveil somebody like Hideki Matsuyama, where the whole play is we're getting a great golfer who is hugely famous in one of the most important markets in the world. Like, I think that it's, it's, it's better for him to not face those questions. And say here, you know, and, and it's the old Steve Martin line, be so good they can't ignore you, right? At some point, you have to sign guys where sponsors and TV networks can't ignore you because they can ignore Phil is toxic at this point. Um, Bryson is what he is. Brooks, you know, if he gets back to it to his his top form, might be in that conversation. But you know, they had conversations with Fox TV, those broke off. I don't know who's the guy who's gonna get them on American television, European television. Asian television, um, it, it has to be those sort of guys. And I think that you have to wait until the first wave of PR hits happens before you start that, that part of the strategy. Yeah. Well, would it be the time right now for, I mentioned DAZN as a potential yeah. suitor for this, Amazon is a potential suitor, one of the over-the-top streaming services. I don't think it makes a lot of sense as the at least U.S. broadcast partner for this, but even something like Paramount Plus, which is CBS, which then becomes very complicated once you have Viacom, PGA, they probably don't go after Liv. Any anyone well, who's a current yeah. PGA Tour partner is probably out on anything like this. So it takes ESPN Plus off the board. Uh, in turn, and realistically, ESPN Plus is just U.S. only. I can't get ESPN Plus in their full catalog in Canada. Those rights are distributed otherwise but if you could just buy the entire package and distribute it evenly across the world i think that's one thing that's why you see a lot of these streaming services own their own content because then what's you know on netflix in the united states is not different than what's on netflix in germany for example right but picking off each of these major superstars in each of these major markets i think is pretty key like if you get adam scott and mm -hmm. cam smith and then you get australia they've done a good job with south africa you get hideki they have martin huh. keimer so they've got germany they, these big population centers where golf is 
relatively popular and you could sell it off there. There might be, even be a part of the deal of, hey, Hideki, here's $100 million to come play, but you also get 15% of all revenue generated on our Japanese contract right. that comes in once you come over and after we sign it. So there could be baked in upside for something like that. That's what I would be doing as commissioner to try to entice people to come that you can also share in the profits of this as well based off the trademark of your name, something the PGA would never allow you to do because right. they're going to take every cent of that. But why hasn't any sort, uh, maybe they have, either domestically, I mean, DraftKings being one, but all, the PGA is mostly partners with most gambling sites at this point. But internationally, that's not necessarily the case. Why hasn't a sports book latched themselves onto this to create sort of a in-gaming opportunity where you broadcast it on their gaming website and then you can make yeah. live wagers on it while you're watching it? That just seems like a printing press for money. Yes, and I'd also say I'm a little bit surprised that Liv has done nothing in the gambling space or even the media space, frankly. Like, there was that anecdote that about Phil Mickelson's team trying to bring on Alan Shipnick as a consultant to the project, um, the Liv project, in order basically to bribe him from releasing those quotes or vilifying it in the book or whatever. And it seems to me that they actually, like, I don't know. It, 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 I, I'm a bit surprised they didn't even try to take some of the big golf media and say, hey, we'll give you uh, $500,000 for this one random podcast ad. Um, like, they, I, they, I don't think most people, I, I, I don't know the, the morality of, of, of golf media members in, in mass. Um, but it seemed to, it's interesting to me they didn't even try that part of it. Um, I mean, that was one of the mistakes the Super League made uh, was they just kind of unveiled it on a Sunday night and were just like, here it is. And they didn't try to win over everybody. And I'm kind of joking about the, the bribe part of it, but they didn't try to win over anybody six months out, five months out, four months out with even just a, a charm offensive. They didn't do anything. Um, and, and so I'm surprised that uh, they didn't have conversations with gambling companies a month ago saying, this is coming. Here's what you need to know. Here's some ball striking stats, you know, live from, from our first event in London. Um, they didn't really do any of that on the front end, Pat. It feels like that's all coming because it, it I, I don't yes. know. I mean, listen, if people are if you're bribing people to talk nice about live, you know, Pat Mayo experience has advertising open. You, know, <laughs> you, you can do the read yourself. You can get played a mid roll. That's fine. I'm sure if you sure if they talk to Spotify, they can figure that out. Despite that in some dynamic insertion, not entirely sure how that works on the buying end of it. But they could probably figure it out if they have enough money to try to float that. But in, ter I, in, yeah. ter in terms of advertising. I think they don't. I think at this point they realize they don't need any advertising because people won't shut up about it. I guess, but they also have unlimited money, right? Same like it. they can, they can only help themselves. Yeah, <laughs> they can only help themselves by having really uh, interesting commercials that run during the NBA finals and stuff. Like where, where were they during that? Um, I guess that that's my question. Again, it's very super leakish. And they said, here we are. And everybody's like, we hate this. And they're like, well, maybe you'll like it later. Well, I think that's sort of the point. Like you said, the sports washing, I mean, every example of it has basically worked so far that these questions end yeah. up going away. So maybe their strategy is, hey, let's wait for that tipping point. All the money that we were going to spend on the NBA finals this year, let's pump that into NFL Sundays, like six months yeah. from now, when people just aren't as they'll find something else to latch onto that they don't like. This is how the media works at this point. Now, how much do you think that the media, like there's been such a galvanization of golf media, especially golf Twitter coming out yeah. against live. And it's all they talk about. It's all the questions they ask, how much they hate it and good for them for standing up for what they believe in. But there's enough people out there who are just so middle of the road that are just like, I can't fucking deal with this anymore. Like I'm going to like live. Cause I don't like these people anymore. <laughs> 
yeah, th th I've seen that reaction where it's just like, or, or or they just think the competition is good and and all that, or they just hate the golf media, which is totally fine. Um, I love the golf media, but there's certainly within sports media members where I'm just like, actually, I'm gonna have the opposite opinion of whatever they have. Um, but yeah, I, I've I've seen that on on Twitter, um, and I've seen some of the. I've never really Pat seen. A, a situation where there's more points that are just awful points being made in the Twitter replies that people think are legitimate um, than this than this story. Um, and so I'm intrigued to see just how that dance goes between the media and then the fans who are pro-live or anti-media or what, what whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I, I think that there's a bit of a disconnect at this point between people, the media who say they hate live and the fans who are kind of ambivalent to it. I think the more important thing is to get a little more data on how much fans are even tuning in. You know, listen, the opposite of, of love is indifference, right? Uh, it's not hate. And so I think that there's, I think that we're, the, the fans are gonna speak by just not tuning into YouTube or not tuning into whatever streaming network ends up with live. I don't think that you're gonna get them, like Phil Mickelson was cheered all last week in Boston. Everybody loved him. I think we overrate sometimes how much people are paying attention to anything. Like I remember talking to an NFL executive years ago and he was saying that like the general fan is like a half season behind the diehard fan. He's talking about the Colts a couple of years ago um, where the Colts made that late season run and everybody was kind of like, like, you know, you couldn't really put them on in prime time um, in the playoffs because people were just like, wait, the Colts are good. And like with, it's just not, people don't live on Twitter, right? And so it's going to take a year for anybody to even realize what they like and what they don't like. Um, and so the idea that they would all be in lockstep with some of these writers, uh, Eamon Lynch is doing incredible work, right? Um, I'm reading everything he writes. The most casual golf fans that I'm in group text with who are in Orlando right now, they're not sitting there reading Eamon Lynch's every piece. And it's going to take a while to figure out consumer behavior and what they like. My dad was kind of the same way. I remember him asking me about it last week. He's like, what is going on with it? Like, where, yeah. where does Phil play golf? Yes. It's like, it's just like uh, yeah. Saudi Arabian backdoor. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, is yeah. it on, is it on yeah. TV? No. He's like, all right, I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> my, uh, my wife's family had a family reunion last week and uh, a couple of her cousins were sitting around and one of the guys was just like, hey, I heard this new golf league. That, that could be cool. Like that was it. Like that's the only thing he heard about. It's like there might be a new golf league, and like that. I think that that's probably like the mainstream thought right now. Like they don't know where it came from. Seems like it might be faster. Phil Mickelson's involved. Whatever. Like that is the extent that most casual people who tune in for for the Masters. Like this is the thing I always say about sports, right? Like in order to get to 100 million viewers for the Super Bowl or 15 million viewers for the Masters. You're going to have to get a whole lot of people like our parents who have no idea who these people are, right? And like I always, before every playoffs, I always ask my mom sometimes, like, who are the NFL players you know, just so I know? And it's always like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and then like Richard Sherman was on the list randomly for a couple of years because of the Aaron Andrews thing. But like, that's it. And I kind of think we all overrate how much everybody's living and dying with each piece of, piece of sports news, let alone live transactional news. Oh, 100%. And, you know, people who follow golf religiously and do read every single thing think that, they, that golf is the number one sport. I can tell you by the numbers, <laughs> it is not. I can tell you by my numbers, it is not the number one right. sport. And I cover golf pretty full time until the NFL right. season comes around. And then the NFL season absolutely demolishes every single golf number that ends up coming out. It's just the way that it is. 
Two last things. One is the team concept that you brought up earlier. How are they not <laughs> televising the draft? Like that's it's it's insane that that would be. Is a it because it's fixed? Who cares? It's it's fixed. I don't care if it's fixed. <laughs> Give these people a fucking just, fantasy well, auction. They have a budget to draft golfers with. Like make that a real thing. That's real content that people would tune into. I agree with that. I agree. They need to unfix it. They need to tell these guys we're giving you $150 million to a Don Draper. That's what the money's for thing. So you can't play with your buddies. We're doing a live auction. We're doing it on whatever streaming service signs it up, or we're just doing it on YouTube and we're rolling the ball out. I agree with that. That's that cinema. Because the team stuff makes absolutely no sense to me. Even when I was trying to like the graphics that they, are they paying like one of the live guys, nephews, $3 million a year. Who's an intro to graphic design to do these graphics. Like the rest of the broadcast looks so good. And you're looking at me like, am I watching Twitch? Well, like, what is this? I, I, I had a, so part of it is that those names do not lend themselves to good logos to begin with. And I'm having a hard time figuring out what is compelling to me. I, again, another guy in my mentions with a terrible idea was like, well, what if they made it like formula one? And every manufacturer, like tailor-made, had their own team. Awful idea. Nobody identifies with this stuff. There's no tradition involved. Like, nobody's that interested. Is there a group of people who could play together that would, would compel you to watch Team Golf and care? No. I agree. I agree. I, it's, it's just a, it's a different for the sake of being different idea, and I don't think it has as much of a future. I think that goes away pretty quickly. Yeah. Or there's some sort of dr draft at the beginning of the year and no one really pays attention to it and they get some sort of like bonus check at the end of the year and no one even mentions <laughs> what the teams are anymore. Unless they want to draft every single week new teams, which also doesn't help the team concept. It just helps me no. tuning in and viewing and just seeing like really awkward picks and people being mad at each other. This is the one biggest thing though. We talked about the, the guys that have left, had their kind of names. They took all the PGA villains. There's no villains yeah. anymore. Well, it seems like a bit of a self-playing prophecy. Like, 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 who would leave the tour? The villains. Like that. That. So, do they need some them baby faces? Is what you're saying? I know. I'm just saying the PGA Tour is going to really suffer by having a lack of people to root against. And yeah, I think that there does right. need to be an, an influx of baby faces here. It's the PGA is finding themselves a lot like the WWF in 1995, yeah. in 1996. Yep. Like essentially, right after the outsiders show up on WCW, NWO gets hot, and the WWF is just bleeding money at this point. Can they create? Can they find a Stone Cold Steve Austin? I was going to say, what 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 is the PGA Tour's attitude era look like once they? Get out of this i don't know and it feels like they they're never going to do it but it feels like they need to work on some sort of collaboration to make this work for everyone or they might get left behind here and just get dusted so i am starting to agree with that i would say i agree with your earlier point that they should have made it they should have acted like it was a minor league to begin with i think they're posturing now any sort of concession would be really disastrous for them because they've set it up like this is their big rival and again, going back to Don Draper, the coolest thing to do is say, I don't think about you at all. If you want to go play in that tour, go ahead. Um, the posturing that's happened over the past couple of weeks would make any sort of deal like a massive loss. The only way that they could probably do it is they would have to fire Jay Monahan and bring in a new commissioner who has his own non-Monahan set of rules. And then it would be like, okay, now I see what they're doing now because we had to get rid of the other guy. Greg Norman? I'm kidding. Oh um, no, so... Uh, Tiger. What make, about it, make, make it Tiger. Tiger Woods. I was going to say, yes. Fire Jay Monahan, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. Yes. 
That's so that that was my idea. A couple of people have had the idea. Tiger, even if it's a no-show job, even if he just gives a couple speeches, um, I'm fine with that. And then bring in a number two who's actually going to run the business side of it. Uh, some money guy. I'm sure Tiger knows a bunch of them. So bring in Tiger as the number one guy. Bring in an actual business genius for number two. Like who's leading? Who who is who is not going to like? They used to say like Ben Hogan used to have a, a golf equipment company and still does. But he used to be really big when he was alive. And a lot of guys would sign with him because he would just like take them in the office and just stare at them until they're like, okay, Mr. Hogan. Like who is leaving? Who's going to look Tiger Woods in the eye and say I'm going to work for Greg Norman? Come on. It's zero. Zero percent of people are going to do it unless it's someone Tiger never cared about to begin with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Guys, Tiger might kick guys out of the tour because he doesn't like them. And that would be even more interesting. That's your attitude era. Oh, the, the Tiger, you're fired match? You come in DFL, <laughs> you're off the tour, pal. <laughs> All right, I'm going to let you out of here, but I want to talk F1 just for a second. How many U.S. Sure. races are there in F1 right now? There are two, and there's going to be three next year. There's going to be Vegas next year. So I don't like F1 in America. I want to wake up early and I want to yeah. see it on at 10 o'clock in the morning. It's a lot like the European tour in golf for me, which I, I was into, but never really watched exclusively. But once I had little kids, I was like, oh, I'm up at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. What's on TV? It's like, oh, European tour golf. This is awesome. There's something that takes away from the mystique of F1 if there's three American races. I'm sorry. I was on an F1 podcast yesterday and I talked about that. And I said that there's going to be a flattening off or a plateauing once there's three races where part of the, uh, there's an exotic nature to it now when they come to Miami and it's like, whoa, these guys who are normally in Barcelona and Monaco and London are here. And if they're always here, you kind of lose that a little bit, right? Like the part of the reason a lot of people were into it beyond the Netflix show is that this seems very glamorous and like high lifey. And the more they spend time in places that we spend time in, the less glamour it seems to be. Now, they got through it in Miami because they had David Beckham and Michael Jordan and Tom Brady in the paddock, but they can't they can't keep that buzz going forever. Um, so I, I'm in agreement. They had a, the race was in Montreal on Sunday and it ruined my day. Like I, I like the race started at 2 p.m. What is this? Start at 9 a.m. like a normal race. Uh, yeah, the Gilles Villeneuve circuit, one of the, I, I've been there for, I actually had never gone to the race, but I've been in Montreal for multiple F1 weekends, just weirdly coinciding oh with bachelor parties that happen at the same time. I've, I think I've been through <laughs> three bachelor parties in Montreal on F1 weekend, which is just a weird wow. coincidence. Wait, uh, is Montreal a bachelor party haven? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You want to really? go somewhere it's fun, like you the, go to It's like the Nashville, it's like the Nashville of Canada? I would say, I mean, I've been to both. Montreal is way more fun than Nashville is. Okay. It's just bachelorette parties, bachelor parties, more bachelorette parties than bachelor parties have, have become extremely Nashville. I, I would Vegas, say I went to Vegas for my, I, I would say I would unwind that the opposite way. Bachelor parties, Montreal bachelorette parties in, uh, in Nashville. I would say that those, that's probably a good divide to me. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I just didn't know Montreal was the, was the place to go for that. Yeah. It's well, it's exotic enough without having to go, yeah. especially I mean, I'm Canadian. So, you know, it's an hour flight from Toronto. It's, I mean, it's far from Vancouver and out West, but anyone from like Ontario, it's a good, like quote unquote, exotic place to go. You know, half the people are speaking French, uh, just a different culture. Yeah. It's like going to a different country. <laughs> like going, if you were, from, that- if you were in New York and you went to Toronto uh-huh. for a bachelor party, yep. like there's not that much difference. It's, it's basically the same place. <laughs> I, the thing I didn't get when first time I went there, and maybe I should have, is there's artists who are like music artists who are just really big only in Quebec. 
because it's French, but it's not, but they need to be there. So it's like, it's French language, but it's not French artists from like Paris. And so there were these people who were like, there was a guy selling out like a park when I was there, who's only big in Quebec. And that is, that is an extremely good market to corner. I just thought that was very funny. And I just didn't know there were kind of superstars only in one province of Canada. That's, it was a beautiful thing to say. It's really strange when you go there. And then because it's like, especially going to Montreal, because Montreal is mostly English speaking anyway. Like you don't need to speak French to go to Montreal. You can get right. by fine. They do appreciate a little bit of a, in the town of Francais, but it doesn't really matter. But like I'm going for just for laughs this year. Uh, which is just another like just bizarre time to walk around a city like so many tourists in there and there's just I mean it's such an old city as well yeah I would highly recommend it but it's a great place to have F1 for Canada because even to Canadians yes. it seems somewhat exotic because not a lot of people go to Quebec and there are two Canadian drivers there are now yes two more than there are Americans there's so no there's, there's a little more there's no American drivers no not in F1. There's only 20 of them. And we've been trying, people have been trying to make a case for certain guys in IndyCar or whatever. Um, it's been, I mean, there are a couple of guys, you know, Scott Speed was there in the late, uh, in, in the 2000s. Uh, it, it's happened. Um, there was a, there've been two world champions, Andretti and Phil Hill. Um, it's happened before, but for whatever, it's the developmental problem. Like it's the same reason, like I grew up playing hockey in Florida. Everybody had to move if they were good to like Connecticut or Canada when they were 15 years old. And the same is true of, of Formula One is where if you are good at karting, good enough at karting, you have to move to Europe to get into the formulas that then become Formula Three, Formula Two, and then Formula One. No, it's really hard to go from NASCAR or IndyCar into an F1 seat. It's, it's impossible. So it's really hard for Americans to do. Yeah, it's the opposite of good Canadian golfers and good Canadian tennis players. They have to move to yes. Florida in order exactly. to, to be any good. The only, like, the only person I can really remember doing it uh, when I used to pay attention to, what is it, IRL and CART when that was still a thing, was Jacques Villeneuve. Yeah. He, he was awesome yep. in CART, and then he just went over to F1 and won in F1. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny because in Miami, they were talking about how Sebastian Vettel, who ended up winning four world championships, replaced Scott Speed, who was an American driver. And they were asking about that and about just American drivers. And he was just saying that he thought that Scott Speed in particular, and again, an American driver, just didn't really understand like how things were done in Formula One. He called him a little bit of a hooligan was the word he used. Um, and and I think that like American drivers, it's just a little more of like, you think about NASCAR in particular, American driver, like the, the rubbing is racing, days of thunder kind of mentality. It's not really how things are done over there. And so it's also a bit of a mindset difference as well. I can see that. I, wa I was in Monaco about a month and a half ago. They were setting up for the Grand Prix. It was about a week two weeks before the Grand Prix started, but they had everything sectioned off, everything put up. I just walked around and be like, this would, this would be a fucking awesome place to go watch a sport. This is incredible. I, Pat, I'm going to say something very weird. I was in Monaco two weeks before the race as well. Really? We were probably in Monaco at the same time. I, I, I was, How I did was, we not? I was staying in Nice and I made the day trip to Monaco oh, with my wife. Oh, okay. Well, we did the opposite. I stayed in Monaco and did the day trip to Nice with my wife. We oh. probably just like passed each other on that like, crazy highway. Well, that is, yeah, the, the crazy highway with like the slum town in between. <laughs> yeah. But I guess that's the difference between the Mayo Media salary and the Ringer salary that I guess I won't be able to <laughs> afford the $50 million to get you come over and switch networks then. Yeah, not until live, not until to live podcasting launches. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Kevin Clark. You can find him on The this Ringer. You did the Bill Simmons podcast this week. You were on Rich Eisen, and now you had to go scum it with me. Sorry about that. I uh, <laughs> I just want to reiterate this. I said it offline. I love the Pat Mayo podcast. I learned so much. I'm a degenerate golf gambler. 
Um, but I just, I adore uh, uh, the conversations you guys have, the things I learn. And, you know, I'm probably up about $5 all time in my gambling, um, but it would be significantly worse if not for this podcast. Oh my God. If I could just be up $5 instead of down like 50,000 would be so nice, Kevin. <laughs> it would be so nice. Here's what happens every year. I, I actually, I'm a bit of a master, master specialist. And I always win a ton of money at the Masters. It's always like the last couple of years, I've always been in the mix, like on the final day and some of the big pools. And then I just gradually lose it over the course of golf season. So I go way up every April. And then that bank account just gets smaller and smaller and smaller until by the FedEx Cup, it's about 20 bucks. My issue is I'm really good at all of like the dinky events, which is kind of terrifying yes. for me with this PGA Tour, like yes. the Sony Open, the Travelers, the Heritage. But then these guys win me money and I get attached to them and they can't win at majors. But I'm like, no, no, they'll probably... Russell Knox, he can win a major. Don't worry about him. I'll put it you know, 200, 250 to one. Sounds like a guarantee <laughs> that all my guys end up missing the cut at the actual good tournaments. Morikawa is the only one I've ever latched on to that's been good at all tournaments. I sometimes bet or include Shane Lowry just out of loyalty to how much money he made me when he won the British. Like if I'm on the if I'm on the cusp of not taking Shane Lowry, I say that that's my guy right there. I'm I'm too attached to some of the guys who made me money. I agree. I like it. When does the NFL show go full time for this year? Will that be yeah. end of August, so, early September? Yeah. So we do, we're do. we doing one a week uh, right now. We're doing something really cool. I'm actually talking to Justin Jefferson in a couple hours. He's joining us for a top 10 wide receivers pod, which is going to be really cool. That's the kind of stuff we're doing in the offseason. I start my training camp on July 22nd. Um, and so I believe the first stop will be Jacksonville. That's when we start going two or three times a week. That's when we get... Um, all everybody back on the feed going four or five days a week doing daily stuff. So NFL show will return to its regular schedule in late July, would be my guess. And the F1 show is going every single week. When does the F1 season every, end? Uh, it's pretty long now. Uh, it ends in, in November. There, there, I, someone told me, I didn't even know this until this week, they're ending early to, to not interfere with the World Cup this year, so it's a little more compact. But there's a race about – every other week. And then there's some back-to-back -back weeks as well, especially once you get into the European summer. Um, so we have a, we have a pot after every race and then usually do a midweek one with it, with an F1 journalist. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a good time. It's been a great time. Thanks for having me, Pat. No problem. Everyone smash the like button on the way out. Follow me on Twitter at the PME rate and review the audio podcast and share it around with some friends. That is how we grow the podcast. Thank you so much for watching. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.